Welcome to Podcast and Recreation, which is literally the best name we could think of for what will surely be the greatest podcast in the history of recorded media. I'm Jill Foskanser. And I'm Nora Katz. We're transatlantic friends and TV junkies with a passion for writing, politics, and breakfast food. It just keeps getting better and better. Good morning, Nora. Good, good afternoon. Good evening. <laughs> Get it? Because we're on different time zones. It's charming. Slash, I was going to say we're on different continents. And then I we are. Instead. Yeah, both, <laughs> both are true. Por que no los dos? <laughs> okay, okay, wait, did you hear something crazy? Yeah. Just, you know that commercial, where the, the taco commercial, where the little girl was like, why can't we have both? And they like cheer and they lift her on their shoulders. Sure. And she's discovered they can have like both, whatever, I forget. Um, that commercial is like ancient now. We like Googled it the other day and it's like been out for like almost a decade or something. That's crazy. It is crazy. I wish that you had a, a more physical reaction to this. I have no reference but... point to this commercial. Uh, in on. fact, I didn't know that that line was from a commercial. I've heard people say that, and I was just like, oh, uh, it's like on. something the kids say. Well, I mean, like, it's not, it's like an actual old El Paso hard and soft tacos. Commercial is at least five years old, but I think it's actually longer than that. This is a fun fact about the brand Old El Paso. In Ireland, there is not a lot of Mexican food. They're like burrito places. Mm-hmm. But if sense. you want, because I really like Mexican food and I like like to make Mexican food. So there's um, an Asian grocery store called, it's like the Oriental Emporium. And they have a Mexican section. Mm-hmm. But every other grocery store has like four Mexican, quote unquote, Mexican food products. And it's all the brand Old El Paso. So I've really gotten to know their products. Wow, so this actually does connect to you. It does. Little did you know, your disdain for my like fun and irreverent commercial story has come back <laughs> to haunt your very life. <laughs> when I was abroad in Denmark, there was uh, an American section. Nice. In my grocery store. Which you would, I think it had peanut butter in it. It's a whole thing in Europe. Like, I don't know what it is, but like every time like Americans go abroad, they come back and they're like, where's the peanut butter? There's no good peanut butter in Europe, I guess. There isn't. Like, when I lived in Italy, there was no good peanut butter. What? I don't know what it is about peanut butter. Is that, like, a, a really, really specifically American thing? I think it is. In Ireland, okay. there's a lot of peanut butter, actually, but the last time uh, okay, I was here, so there no. was much less. So I think that is becoming more popular. Okay, yeah. It wasn't like that. Peanut butter never, like, stood out to me as a really American thing, mostly because I don't feel like we have anything that is really, really American. We sort of, being the melting pot of the country that we are. I sort of feel like everything is sort of borrowed. It's like that scene in Talladega Nights where like Jean Girard is like, name one thing like America has ever given the world and like immediately Ricky and Cal are like, Chinese food. <laughs> he's like, no, it's from China. And they're like, pizza? And he's like, Italy. And they're like, chimichangas? Like, Mexico. <laughs> it's like that. Like I didn't realize peanut butter was like American. I bet it isn't though. Like I'm going to research this. I don't know. Oh yeah, of course it is. It's that guy that did it. There's a really fancy grocery store in Dublin called Fallon Burn, which I recommend. They have really good food. When I'm in Dublin? Yes. Okay. And they have, it's like 80% really fancy, like the most amazing stuff, like prepared foods and also like various non-perishable food items. But they also have like American staples. So you can get like a box of like peanut butter Captain Crunch for like 13 euros. And that's like right next to the 14 euro granola that has like flecks of gold yeah. leaf in it. <laughs> okay, I would like to share this with you. The use of peanuts, this is according to Wikipedia, uh, dates to Aztecs and Incas. Okay. 
So not American. So that's this hemisphere anyway. And then Marcus Marcellus Marcellus Gilmore Edson of Montreal, Canada obtained the first patent for peanut butter in 1884. So when was Canadian. George Washington Carver active? Because in elementary school, that's who I was expecting to see on this page. I think that that's the legend is that he came up with peanut butter. Yes, that's what this page says. Okay, but when was he? Uh, around? The U.S. National Peanut Board A is a thing. And B has confirmed that contrary to popular belief, George Washington Carver did not invent peanut butter. He does have like the best name ever of all time, though. That is true. I love his name. You know who else has the best name? Leslie Nope. <gasps> oh, nice. Who features in uh, season two, episode three of Parks and Recreation. Not your best transition. Beauty Pageant, which aired October 1st, 2009, written by Katie Dippold and directed by Jason Wolliner. Do you know what film we both love that Katie Dippold co-wrote? Uh, Ghostbusters! Ghostbusters! And also she wrote Snatched, the new Amy Schumer movie that everyone hates, and also The Heat and The Heat 2. I haven't seen Snatched. I like Amy Schumer a lot, though. She does really good work with gun control. That's true. That's true, because her cousin is Chuck Schumer. Yes, who was really lovely to my brother when my brother was a child. There you go. He, like he like met my brother once, and I think he like wrote him like a nice note or something after they had like a little meeting. My brother was really into like politics as a kid. I'm not sure what he wants to do politics wise now. I think he probably isn't gonna go into politics, but he like thought it was cool that like he was like meeting this guy. And Chuck Schumer was really nice to him. Chuck Schumer is so, doing some good things. He is. I've always liked him before that. He's like a little bit problematic sometimes, but overall. No, didn't you hear the story I told about when he was nice to my brother? Sorry, this one time. Chuck Schumer was really nice to Jill's brother, and everything else he's ever done is irrelevant. That's right. Okay. Anyway, um, let's talk about beauty pageant. I have oh, no. a synopsis for this episode, but Jill is going to hate it so much that I'm not going to read it. Oh, God, does it spoil the entire plot? <laughs> In one sentence. Is it like, this is who wins the beauty pageant? No, but it says... Dude, do you want me to just do it anyway and then you can now, now we need to hear it. We can't Leslie serves as a judge in the Miss Punny beauty pageant. I That so far is fine. That's but all is, you need. That's but is it. disappointed with the results. That's not. And Anne finds out that her ex-boyfriend Andy is living in the pit. Yes, I do hate that. A plot and B plot, the big surprise reveals of both of those are in that one sentence. That's. Ah, okay. Let's... It's fine. You know what? We're, we're moving past it. When they go low, we go high. My beef here is with Irish IMDb. My beef is with Irish IMDb. Okay. All right. So, the teaser for this episode, or cold open, is that Leslie has ordered too, uh, too many expensive flowers for Ron, uh, and she's also going to be giving them out to many people over the coming months. Well, she ordered them for everybody because she got drunk. I think she ordered them for Ron. She got so many. Well, her original goal was to order them for Ron, but then she got drunk and also sent them to everybody. Oh, okay. See, my interpretation was that she ordered, like, thousands for Ron and she can't fit them all in his room, so she's going to, like, give them to, like, secondhand give them out to the rest of the people. Mm, I think I'm right. You probably are right. But you know what? It's fine. Part of friendship is respecting your incorrect opinion. <laughs> That's lovely. Well, I'll get that on a t-shirt, kids. Take that one to the bank. Um, all right. So, this is significant because I think this is the first time someone's been, like, overtly mean to Jerry. That's true. That's so true. She says, that she's saying, she's, I'm going to get Donna some flowers. I'm going to give, like, Tom some flowers. Jerry, I don't know. I'm not sure. Time will tell. And Jerry just, like, <sighs> sighs. 
So like the setup is there, that the setup is them a lot, but I think this is the first time we are seeing Jerry as a punching bag. Yes, I agree. Which, like, minor spoilers moving forward, he might continue to be somewhat of a punching bag. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. We, we, it's also revealed that Leslie has been invited to be a judge for the Miss Pawnee beauty pageant, and Tom is very interested in this. And Leslie says, you know, I'm looking for someone with talent and poise. And those are, of course, the names of strip clubs. And Leslie says, that's disgusting. And Tom says, what's disgusting is the glitter factory. Do not go to the glitter factory. (laughs) That place sounds fun. I think an actual glitter factory would be the most amazing place on this earth. I think any place that's throwing glitter everywhere has, like, the right idea. Yeah, that's fair. That's my ultimate opinion on that. Um, but uh, April decides to enter the beauty pageant. Logically. Because the winner gets $600. She brings Leslie, like, a really expensive coffee drink and tries to, like, pal around. And Leslie's so confused. <laughs> April's like, hey! And Leslie's like, hey! hey. What? Leslie is talking about, you know, how she's in the pageant for someone who has personality and who is really intelligent. And she describes April as not, quote, classically hot. And I do not <laughs> want to live in a world where Aubrey Plaza isn't classically hot. I know, it's just because that's her character's personality, and they're just like, that's, <laughs> that's who she is. I watched Scott Pilgrim last night. Yes. Um, it was such a good movie. Everyone should go watch it right now. Um, and she's in that movie, and she's great. She, like, steals every scene she's in. I think that I saw that movie, like, before I knew who she was. Well, everybody in that movie is, like, now, like, incredibly famous. And at the time, they were mostly, like, somewhat well-known. Yeah. Yeah. Except, like, Michael Sarah, who, like, everyone, like, knew already. He has sort of taken a dive recently. I feel like he's he's nowhere now. He's doing stuff. He has a weird mustache sometimes, which is really disgusting. I haven't seen his facial hair, but I'm sure. Because you don't want to, because he has a baby face, and you don't. (laughs) This is mean. Sorry, I call it like it is. No, I think they're doing Arrested Development 5. All right, so Tom weasels his way into being a judge. Yes. Of course he does. Yeah. Um, but then the next exciting thing happens, and this is what happens. Louis Cop CK, a name I hope will catch on, shows up to City Hall, ostensibly to view the murals. To see the murals, which is what the kids are calling it these days. Right, of course. Um, but actually, kids... It's to ask Leslie out on a date. Um, but we also get our first, like, it, this didn't count as a racist mural, but I think I'm going to count it in the sexist mural count. Yeah. Offensive mural. Yeah. We could be inclusive. Yes. A lively fisting. Yes. Which they had to change the name, Leslie, <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> is this number four? I was trying to count. I think this is number four. Yeah, it is total. Okay. Yes. Um, Louis Kopke asks Leslie out, but... When he thinks that her grandma is Madeline Albright, based on a picture he sees at her desk, yeah. she kind of balks. And I think this is unfair of her because he seems really nice. Okay, I have an entirely different outlook, and it is going to involve a very long speech with a lot of Madeline Albright facts. <laughs> no! So, okay, if a prospective mate cannot recognize Madeline Albright on site, that is a deal breaker for me. That's, I think, harsh. Okay. Because what if they're not good with faces, but they can, like, list, like, who she is? Okay, maybe. But I would need that to be explained to me very explicitly. It's very important to me that people know who Madeline Albright is. 
Let me tell you who Madeline Albright is with a series of fun facts, most of which I did not have to Google. <laughs> okay. That's... Just share the ones you didn't have to Google. I want to hear what you knew off the top of your head about Madeleine Albright. First female Secretary of State 1997 to 2001. Okay. U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations for the beginning of Clinton's presidency until she became Secretary of State. What's another thing? A lot of people, she came into the news most recently last year when she was very critical of young women supporting Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton, and she got flack for that, and I happen to agree with her, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. Um... But the, the main thing is that I first started learning about her because she has a pin collection, which I also have a pin collection. And she would wear a really, like, costumey brooch to all of her, like, diplomatic engagements. Um, and so it was a way for her to, like, non-verbally signal, like, what a conversation was going to be about. So there are a few really famous ones that she did. The first was um, the Iraqi press under Saddam Hussein called her, quote, an unparalleled serpent. And so the next time she went to meet with Iraqi leaders, she wore a pin with a snake and an apple. That's probably her most famous one. Um, and then she also had a meeting with a Russian foreign minister right after it had been discovered that the Russians were trying to bug the State Department. And so she wore these pins that were big, like, jeweled insects. Um, and then the last amazing one is also with Russia, which is um, she had been negotiating with Putin and he had been, like, really um, unwilling to comment on his policies on Chechnya, which this is all coming back again now. And so she wore the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil monkey pin. And he was like, what's that? And she was like, it's about your policy on Chechnya. And he was like, um, excuse me? <laughs> this woman takes no prisoners. Yes. Sounds like you really just want to marry Madeline Albright. I love her just... so deeply. I don't know. She's 80. She might be a little young for me. But a, a solid joke. <laughs> Very funny. Also, he doesn't recognize Nancy Pelosi or Condoleezza Rice, which those are also very famous faces. So he is a working class, small town Midwesty boy. I understand why he doesn't. But like, has he's like seen the news? I don't know. I'm just defending this character. I know. I know. I feel like he's a nice guy. I see where you're coming like, from. Like yeah, but... like sure. Like I know who all those people are, but like I come from a place of more privilege than Louis Kopke. That's fair. In this case, and I have access to that information. I guess he does too, but like, he's busy defending Pawnee from the rabid raccoons, presumably. I feel like that's probably like 80% of his time. Oh, I think like 90. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> um, so, in the meantime, be Plotland. Anne asks Mark to fix a shower. That's also what the kids are calling it. <laughs> This is, this is my note, though, which is the second best interracial romance about handyman fixing things as a flimsy excuse for sexual tension that I have ever seen. Wait, I have to think of what the best one is. No. Girl. What? Holes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one was better. Just because, like, that one was so iconic. <laughs> I still get mad about that, but it's fine. Also, Dulé Hill was so great in that role. <laughs> He's perfect. Arguably his most iconic role. And that's speaking to someone who loves the West Wing. And Psych. Deeply. You love Psych. I have not seen Psych. I love Psych and the West Wing. Charlie and, and Gus. Ugh. Oh, amazing. And I'm asking you to rewatch Holes and come back and tell me that Sam isn't equally, if not more so, iconic. Okay, I saw the film Holes when it came out so long ago. 
And I read the book, so I have no memory of it other than it was like there were maybe boys digging, I think. Like, that's Yeah, that's like the present day subplot, but like the past is that Kissing Kate Barlow was like a school teacher. She fell in love with the black handyman of the town. Now I remember this. He can fix things, but he's like not the handyman. He's um, the onion seller. He sells onions. It's coming back to me now. Yes, and then like they get together and then like. The town is really happy for them, and they film a big party, and it's a happy ending. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's the 1800s, and it's America, so of course they're terribly racist. They kill his donkey, and then they kill him. And then she becomes a crazy outlaw, kicking ass and taking names. And I think that's an appropriate response to that situation. At that I time. agree. Yeah, I don't blame her at all. Weren't you the one who said, not one episode ago, that you don't approve of media spoiling other media? Oh my god, we have to cut this. No, we don't. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> we're not cutting it. Gotcha. <laughs> Lawyered. Has it been 20 years since Holes came out? No, because no, I didn't see it when I was three. <laughs> not the movie, the book. No, because I didn't read it when I was three. Well, you weren't probably too young to read it. Who knows? Holes, a novel. Hold on. It came out in 1998. It's been 19 years. It's close enough. Actually, that's not even, that's not even the ending. It's not the ending of either storyline. That's just a thing that happened. Okay. Jill is redeemed. I'm redeemed. Is she redeemed? Hashtag is Jill redeemed. Tweet us. Please. At Podcast and Mac. <laughs> okay, so Leslie and Tom meet the other judges who are not promising in Leslie's quest to to nominate or to to elect, I guess, the both the most uh fully rounded Miss Pawnee, I guess you would say. Tom, um, however, is very interested in electing the most fully rounded Miss Pawnee yeah. because he's guessing the contestants' bra sizes. <laughs> Yeah, and they all seem like he's right. Like, they're all like, oh, wow. They inexplicably are finding that endearing, which I, that's the wrong lesson. That's not realistic, yes. Um, <laughs> Leslie and Tom, though, when they meet the other judges, the old sexist guy goes, I made Jessica, who was like Miss Bonnie in 1998. She looks like she's gonna fight him. <laughs> Wreck him, Jessica. Kick his butt. The, the middle judge is Ray Holstead of Ray's Sandwich Place, and the actor is occasionally mouthing along to other people's lines in that exchange. <laughs> I missed that. That's like Emma Watson levels of amazing. <laughs> if you watch the first Harry Potter movie, she's also doing that. Really? <laughs> it's really cute, yeah. That's what, like what middle schoolers do when they're like in the school play. <laughs> yes. That's, it's everything younger than that, so. <laughs> um, anyway, then there's like the little introductory part of the panel, and then... Aubrey Plaza, as April, gets my favorite line of the episode. Which she gets up there and she goes, I like people, places, and things. She's a genius. She's a secret genius. I know. I love it. I feel like I say that a lot. We also have key contestants Susan Gleaver, who was a history major, so naturally Leslie and I are both in love with her. Yeah, as soon as she said that, I was like, ah, uh, it's Nora. And then Trish Ianetta who is wearing a very inappropriate outfit and cannot talk. She does come off as come somewhat, somewhat shallow. Somewhat shallow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going into this episode, I hadn't seen it in a while, and I was like, maybe, like, she's a secret genius. Like, when Leslie asks her about, like, like, um... Alexis de Tocqueville? Yeah. She'll, like, give a good answer, but that did not happen. Nope. And the judges elect her anyway. That's true. But a lot happens before that. That's true. That let's that's true. Let's go back. Let's go back to see how this happens. Leslie has a scorecard that she's using, and Tom holds it up, and so I, of course, paused and read all the categories that she has. Yeah. And here they are for you. Teeth. Interior life. 
knowledge of herstory, presentation, intelligence, fruitful gestures, lack of ostentation, je ne sais quoi, the Naomi Wolf factor, and voice modulation. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I think voice modulation is my favorite, but Mm -hmm. so many of those are so good. (laughs) Um, So great. Yes, there's a talent portion. April does impressions. And the old racist guy finds it hilarious. Of course he does. Um, and there's an old lady in this contest who sings a song. Denise Yermley. Okay, yes. that's her name. Um, <laughs> Susan plays the piano. Very well. Um, but then it does cut back to a B-plot land. And uh, Anne, while cooking dinner for her and Mark, sees Andy in the pit. Once again, like a gopher. What follows is the greatest scene in the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> she goes down there and she's like, you've been here in the pit. Are you living here? And he's like, what? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and he goes, are we, he goes, are we going to talk about anything other than the lies I've told you? Yeah. And she goes, you've been here a whole week? And he looks at the camera and goes, yes. One week only. <laughs> Just amazing. They both sell that scene so well. It makes you so happy for them that they're not together anymore. Yeah. 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 Yikes. Can you imagine? Then we cut back to the pageant. And there's the Q&A that's happening. And Trish, who is very dumb, is also a racist. What a surprise. This keeps coming. This reminds me of an iconic answer that has become, um, it like went viral when it happened, but yeah. it is still very famous, which is the 2007 Miss Teen USA, which you will hear right now. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps, and uh, I believe that our education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and... I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries so we will be able to build up our future for our children. Thank you very much, South Africa. The fact that you knew that off the top of your head is crazy. It's insane. Trish Iannetta is like Barack Obama compared to that girl <laughs> in terms of eloquence Aww. and voice. Uh, <laughs> Meanie. But uh, Leslie asked a really excellent question about Alexis de Tocqueville and America as the great experiment. So props to her. Yes. And then April immediately quits when she finds out that $600 is not in cash. <laughs> and she has my favorite line of the episode, which is, no, I didn't win, but at least I didn't make any new friendships. Iconic. A hero for our generation. <laughs> um, so yes, all the judges are already like on Team Trish, but Leslie tries to sequester them. To talk over all of the options. Yes. Um, and then when she tries to, like, appeal to their hearts, like, look into the hearts, decide who they really want, immediately cuts to Trish Wayne. Yes. Yes. But there are some, there are some interesting things. Um, I, again, did the classic Nora of pausing and looking at the stuff in the background. And yeah. so behind her, in the 12 Angry Men parody, which, by the way, the greatest 12 Angry Men parody of all time is 12 Angry Men Inside Amy Schumer. So... Just another shout out to Miss Amy here. Oh, awesome. I'm about to watch that. 
Um, behind her is a whiteboard on which she has copied all of her scores from her chart. And so you can't see all of it, but the second line, which is April's, is crossed out. And Trish Ianetta, who's the third line, has received a 9 for teeth, a 5.5 for fruitful gestures, a 1.7 for je ne sais quoi, and a <gasps> 0 for the Naomi Wolf factor. Oh no! A 0 for the Naomi Wolf factor? Yep. Yep. <laughs> je ne sais quoi. <laughs> Alright, so then, uh, Leslie gives a little speech about how Susans of the world will often lose to Trish's. But yes. That is that is how it goes. And then uh, Anne does end up inviting Andy into their house while she cooks for Mark because it's raining. Yes. And Andy interjects himself constantly into the conversation until finally she asks him to leave. And he he gets like a talking head inside the tent as the rain is pouring down. like, And it keeps cutting back to him walking sadly away into the rain. And he goes, that went really well. <laughs> I was in her house. He's like, he's like, I had to walk really slowly. I kept hoping she'd come after me. <laughs> he's so great. But then, in the end, Leslie invites Louis Kopke, I hope this is, this is catching on, to dinner, and he's learned all the names of all the ladies in the pictures. That's so true. But and he doesn't necessarily, him. he doesn't agree with Nancy Pelosi's thoughts on TARP, so. See, he learned things. That's true. He did some really good Googling, which both of us have done often for this podcast. Yes. And so he has endeared himself to us. He's, he could be on this podcast with us. That's true. Louis C.K. It's beautiful. Come hang out. <laughs> Come hang out with us, but in character is Dave. We also find out that Dave is a cop who has not watched Die Hard, and therefore Jake Peralta would be very mad at him. That's literally exactly what I thought when he said that. Mm-hmm. I was like, Jake Peralta would not like that. Because <laughs> I would associate Jake Peralta with Die Hard forever. <laughs> like, literally. There's also, there's also a moment during Leslie's speech um, to the pageant people um where mm-hmm. it struck me that susan is hillary and trish is melania <laughs> uh, no um and also trish is doing shots of jägermeister with jessica wicks and they try to cover up the like branding on the bottle that she's holding but those of us who were ever in college know exactly what it looks <laughs> like <laughs> i hate jägermeister and that's to come down like really really strong on a brand but i do not enjoy drinking it Oh, I'll come down really strong. It's terrible. <laughs> I just want to. It tastes like licorice, which is a no-no for me. Nothing should taste like licorice. I don't like licorice. And I was abroad in Scandinavia, and there's a lot of licorice stuff, and it's just not my jam. But if you're gonna get good licorice, the only place to do it is Scandinavia. That's true. If that's your jam, not my jam, but if that's your jam, Scandinavia. You're welcome. Um, the tag of this episode is that Tom gives out his apartment keys to women as part of a hitting on them thing, which is like a little wild because he does have a wife and you wonder if this has ever gotten around back to her. It seems like based on his personality, like it's never been an issue. (laughs) It's true. Like, I don't think anyone's taken him up on it, but he has been robbed twice. Yes, that's, of course he has. For goodness sake. Only twice though. It seems. Yeah, that's surprising. It should be more. And that's the episode. That is the episode. Nora, did you have a favorite moment? Oh my goodness. Um, I think it's just anytime April is on stage during the beauty pageant. I think she um, is a parody of... No, she's not a parody. She just is making an intelligent commentary on beauty pageants and how they set women back and they they should not be a part of our quote-unquote enlightened society. So... 
I wonder how Nora feels about baby patterns, but I guess we'll never know for sure. Which is really a pity. I think they're awesome. I love them. Current Miss USA doesn't think people should have affordable health care and she's not a feminist. Yay! <clears throat> I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my favorite moment is a little less sophisticated than that because it's when Leslie asks Jessica what her talent was back in her day as Miss Pawnee. And Jessica goes, oh, I packed the suitcase. <laughs> Amazing. I think this is like one of the funniest jokes I've ever heard. I thought that was just like a perfect joke. Oh, it's incredible. Like, oh my goodness. Well done. Um, do you have any other fun facts about this episode? You know, I don't. I just had really a lot of fun facts about Madeline Albright. Of course you did. Yes. Yeah. I've got to come up with fun facts about, like, what living in a pit does to you, but I didn't. <laughs> I really apologize for depriving you of that, friends. Um, I bet I bet not good things, though, if I had to wager, I guess. Mm, see, I'll, I'll take that wager. I bet living in a pit is awesome. I bet every no. minute is just a pleasure. No. <laughs> Poor Andy. Um, he does really desperately need to get his life together, and I look forward to hopefully seeing that happen. Maybe the whole series is just him in a pit. Here's the thing, though. That would have worked for me. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It would stop being a joke at one point, but it would still just be his life. Yeah. Like, he's doing stuff. Yeah. And he's like, well, back to the pit. And he just, like, jumps into the pit. It's like a sight gag. You get to see a lot. Like, him sliding down. He, like, invents, like, he builds a whole little kingdom down there. <laughs> if, like... God willing, Leslie's part gets built. Like, what side is Andy on? Because there goes his, his livelihood, his life. That's true. His home. That's true. Maybe he, like, lives inside the monkey bars. Or in the slide, like the drunk and the pilot, and become full circle. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, I love, I happen. love this. Apparently, there was some interview where um, Mike Sure was saying, Park's got a long-term lease on that block, so it's been a pit for a while that they own. Oh, literally. They literally leased the pit. Yeah, they, like... They, like, bought it. I mean, they rented it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. Where's this money going into? Oh, that's the pit. The, what? <laughs> a literal pit. <laughs> Thanks, NBC. <laughs> we need this pit. NBC's like, all right, we trust you. And guess what? Good call. The show was great. Yeah, good job, NBC Universal. And thanks for all the visual gags of Andy in the pit. Vice, thank you. Thank you, Vice President of Television and Microwave Oven Programming. <laughs> <laughs> 30 rock reference. <laughs> the other day I was with my friends and we were talking about things that GE owns because I have one fun fact about GE, which is General Electric Company. Um, and it's that the reason that NBC's jingle is do, 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 is because on a piano that's GEC, General Electric Company owns NBC. Or did at the time of this jingle. Um, and I was like, yeah, so like, like, that's why NBC's jingle is that. And then my friend immediately goes, you know what else General Electric Company owns? And together in unison we go, the Shinehart Wig Company. <laughs> I actually don't know if that's accurate. No, I don't think it's true at all, but it's... About GEC. That's true. That, the, the jingle thing? Yeah. That's true. That's why NBC's jingle is that. No, because there was a really good episode of 99% Invisible, which is one of my favorite podcasts, about that jingle. And it started before NBC, I think. Yeah, it was a general electric jingle, probably. Okay, I'm Googling it right now. No, I'm Googling. I'm no, Googling I'm Googling virtual, it. I'm Googling a virtual piano. No, 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 I'm not disagreeing what the notes are. Nope, too late. You have questions. 
all of my intelligence. My music teacher told me this in high school, so if this is false information, that's 100% on him. Yeah, so the, the, the 99% Invisible episode is about how um, the first sound to be trademarked was the NBC jingle. Yes, originally NBC came up with a seven-chime sequence that would be played by radio live by radio announcers on air. The longer sequence was later shortened to three notes so that announcers could generate the sounds more consistently. But what three notes was it? Well, the three notes was G-E-C, but the seven-chime sequence included the three notes. Right, and then they picked G-E-C because of General Electric Company. Nope, not buying it. Yeah, otherwise that's crazy coincidence. I think it's a crazy coincidence. No. Okay. You know Both what, Both can be group? true. I'm, I'm linking to this 98% Invisible episode in the show notes. And you can be the judge of who is right. No, I think both can be true. No. Yes, both can be true. <laughs> Fine. That's the theme of this week's That's episode. That's my best fun facts. I won't let you take that away from me. <laughs> and I like that fact, too. It's cool. Okay. It's musical and TV related. Jill's right. It is, it's, it can, we can both be right. <laughs> it can be a group effort. It doesn't have to be a win. This episode is brought to you by the biggest fight Jill and I have ever had over whether the NBC chimes have anything to do with GE. It's brought to you by GE and NBC Universal, inadvertently, <laughs> and without the permission. Or this is free probably. advertising. We're good. Yeah, we're just advertising it for free. We love you guys. You should have. You should support us for real. Yeah, come on, man. And by that I mean just call us up and tell us what the truth is. We don't even need. We don't need any like fiscal support. We just need. Emotional support. Um, I'm about to finish grad school. I would not say no to fiscal support. Fair. Check us out at podcastdirect.wordpress.com and on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. And leave us a review on iTunes. Um, we like reviews and we like people. That's accurate. We like people, places, and things. <laughs> Music for this week's show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod and Acabatech.com. We are on Twitter at Podcast and Rec. You can follow Jill on Twitter at Ms. Jill Madeline. You can follow me on Twitter at Nora A. Katz and at NoraKatz.com. It looks like she spelled her name with two A's on Twitter. It's like Nora Katz. That's how you can find her. Jill is the first person to ever make that joke about my name. So follow her at Ms. Jill Madeline for more jokes like that. You never smushed it all together like that before. <laughs> If you have questions, comments, business inquiries, or fun stuff to share, shoot us an email at podcastandrec at gmail.com. We love you and we like you. Bye.